Hello again, this is Mo Wog for the Cavern today, joined by none other than... Tyon. Tyon, that's correct. Uh, well, Podcast 21. Yeah, the start of our second season. Start of the second season. This is a significant thing for us. We're thrilled and proud to have completed an entire season of 20 podcasts. Oh, uh, what a ride that was. Well, it really was. It started off kind of slow and shaky, but the programs got better and better. And then they yep. got... <laughs> From bad quality to the introduction of crazy bots to interviews with shard owners and then sinus and whoa, what a run. That's a lot. Yeah, so it really has been a thrill. Uh, we started off just doing this kind of to entertain ourselves and, and hoping that it would get out to the fan base and that some of the fans would like it too. But then we found out that we actually could attract uh, interviews with folks at Cyan. And uh, it's just been a real thrill to be the voice, a voice of Uru to the community. Yeah, we're not the voice of the cavern. We're no, Uruites no, no, doing I, this. <laughs> the voice of the cavern would echo, you see, and we don't usually. No. It's just been a real treat and a privilege to be able to bring news and entertainment to the uh, to the Uru fan base. And as live starts this month, we realize that our role will change quite a bit. And yeah. we would like to assure you all that we will be there for anything that Cyan throws at us. <laughs> so, Moog, how do yes. you feel about live coming out this month? I mean, after oh, waiting almost gee. three years. You know, I am so elated about this. I remember the first night that I heard about the closure of Prologue. Oh, that hurt. And all I could say was, no, no! I surely sounded like Savidro in, uh, along toward the end of Exile. Really? Uh, well, for a minute there, I instantly thought of Kural. Well, yeah, yeah, Kural has his moments too, but <laughs> it was such a bitter disappointment. But as time went by... We had these little nuggets of hope. We had Until Uru, and then Damala opened, you know, basically Until Uru on an official Cyan shard, which was significant. And then the announcement that Live was coming back under GameTap. It's been an amazing thing. As and I've it's going to get better? Yes, it sure will. As I've mentioned in the past on the forums and things like that, Ty and I both met the uh, the GameTap representatives when we were at Mysterium back in July of this year. And in addition... Go ahead. I can't believe how long it's been since Mysterium. Yeah, I know. Jeez. But uh, in addition to being impressed with how nice how nice a pair of guys they really are, well, we've never met Blake, but we did talk to uh, Trent Hershenson. Um, it was made really plain to us that they are fans of Cyan, fans of Uru, and they want to see this succeed as much because they are enthusiasts themselves as for the monetary gain. And uh, that's a real good thing. Um it was real easy to tell that there was a kind of a rapport between the folks at Cyan and the GameTap representatives. Yeah, that, uh, I, I, th I think I heard that they've always been friends. Yeah, and that's a good point. It truly is a friendship. It's not just a business partnership. Of course it is that. But I think it's a business partnership based on friendship and mutual admiration. Which is always a plus. Yes, it is. And I see great things happening with this. And so, our role will change. The podcast will change. Thank goodness. And on the note of the podcast, we've got a great lineup for you today. We've it's going to be a good program. We've got another tie-in Madge. Yes, that crazy uh, whacked-out bot. Aside from that, it'll be a great program. <laughs> yeah. we got a few surprises. So. Yeah. Sit there are back, some things that even surprise us. Sit back, relax, and enjoy Podcast 21. You betcha. For The Cavern Today, this is Moog and... Tie-on. Signing, signing off. off.
That means Merry Christmas in the cavern. I'm writing a Christmas jingle for the launch of Yuru Live. Madge, I know what Shara means. I'm not sure you lane, do or ever will. Snow is glistening. Run. Can't remember the words. Something listening. We're happy tonight. A jingle? A oh, Christmas、dear. jingle requires a melody, Madge. I know that. But right now I'm just writing lyrics. I figure the song will pop into my head like an inspiration. It's easy to be inspired by the best storytellers and artists in the online world, soon to be the missed online world. <laughs> yeah, something keeps popping into your head, all right, but I'm not sure it's what the listeners want to hear. Are you going to help me with this or not? You look funny just standing under that stalactite like that. I think I see a glow bug about to bite you. <laughs> Where? There! <coughs> no, there! Oh, never mind. Let me hear what you've got. Not much. An idea or five. I'm going to appeal to the storytellers and producers like us, Mr. Tyon. It could be that storytellers who are not typical game players have never thought about coming yeah, to the cavern. Yeah, yeah, glorified message machine gone wild. You sound like Ruby now. If she can't make people understand the you in Uru, how in the world? I'm can just you... gonna say it like this, Mr. Tyon. Are you a storyteller? Journal keeper or 3D filmmaker, and you're looking at a blank storyboard? Then boy, do we got a deal for you! You sound like you're doing an infomercial. I am telling you, it's not going to go over well with this crowd. While your IQ is hardly chartworthy, I suspect most explorers are. I think I sound like Ron Popeil. Anyways, Mr. Tyon, I'm not addressing my public service announcement to this crowd. I'm addressing this public service announcement to storytellers who might want to share our universe. Where else can a storyteller go for about ten bucks a month and without stepping one foot onto a plane, train, automobile, or jet-propelled rocket ship? Lots of places. It's an online world, Madge. Not so fast, Buster. Why? I mean, not so fast, Mr. Tyon. I get around and I see a lot of blank pages out there. Writer's block. But for me, there's always plenty to write about. I rarely don't yes, have anything to say. Yes, we know all about what you have to say, Madge. And sometimes and... it gets me into trouble. But most of the time, it's fun. I like stories. There's the story of the Dunny and Yisha. Who once lived in the cavern, and then there is the story of the DRC and the explorers, nicely interpreted by my friends over at the Great Tree, in particular Mr. Martin. Does Mr. Martin know he's your friend? Not sure, but it doesn't matter. The point is they are documenting the story of the prologue, and that's a good thing to do. Why is it a good thing to do? Because that was then, way back in the fall and winter of two thousand aught aught three aught four, and this is now. As I understand it, the story moves along in real time. I don't know if new explorers will get a chance to repeat what happened before I was assembled, but I don't suspect so. The Euro community, with its forums and newsletters and podcasts and independent projects, keeps everyone well informed. I'll bet the game world has never seen so much archiving, and I'm sure they'll be surprised over at Sam and Max. Do you think anyone is keeping track of those guys? 
Oh, never mind. I see what you mean, but I really don't know why it's important to you. I'm not sure. I know either, Mr. Tyon. My wires are a little frayed, and it's a little hard to focus. It's Christmas time. I need to write my letter to Santa, but I spent half the morning in the Baron's office cutting off all those burned-out bulbs. Circa 1974, those dusty old bulbs. Thanks to missing Mr. Sharper, they've been plugged in for about three years. I guess nobody thought to unplug them. Burned-out bulbs? Yes, from the Christmas tree. Oh my goodness, Madge, this is exactly why we tell you to stay away from anything electric. I am electrical, and somebody had to do it. The office Christmas party is coming around Madge, fast. Madge, what's that smell? And where's the smoke coming from? <coughs> I wonder what new stories are going to be told in the cavern. It says here in these articles, Mr. Tyon, the Uru Live and Obsession forums, that we need to build a home and destruction is coming. I don't know. I left the door Madge, to the linking room. There's no door to the linking book. It's an alcove. And anyways, you can't go around cutting bulbs off the Christmas tree. What you doing now, Mr. Tyon? I called 555. Someone over at the DRC needs to come over here and put the fire out. Oh, Mr. Tyon, do you think the DRC will get mad at me again? It's not the only tree around. They've got one in every instance uh, and every Madge, personal age throughout. You've got a habit of starting fires the DRC ends up needing to put out, if you know what I mean. Yes, I know, but... But what? This is not the kind of destruction story anyone wants to live with, Madge. You need help. You really do. Suppose so, but see what I mean? When you least suspect it, the you in a URU story, Yuru, will find the plot that was once a blank page. No writer's block for Madge. Where's the Christmas jingle in the entire fiasco? It's coming to me now. Mush spores roasting in an open fire. Stalactites tight smudging at our noses. No, no, no. That's what I mean. How will we ever be taken seriously? It's going to require more than help. This brought me to intervention. Mr. Tyon, we almost forgot. On the cast of Mr. Tyon, Madge and Company Show, premiering this month on CCM. Happy New Year. Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer had a very shiny nose and if you ever saw it you might even say it glows all of the other reindeer used to laugh and call him names they wouldn't let poor Rudolph play in any reindeer game 
then one foggy Christmas Eve, Santa came to say, Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? Then how the reindeer loved him, as they shouted out with glee, Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer, you'll go down in history. Greetings, this is Janathus, and today we're talking to Trent Hershenson, GameTap's marketing lead for Myst Online Uru Live. Did I get that title right? Um, pretty close. My actual official title is the Senior Brand Manager of Games Marketing here at GameTap. Okay. Well, to start things off, why don't you tell us a little about yourself and what you do at GameTap then? Okay, I'm involved in a lot of different marketing uh, aspects of the games that we have here within GameTap, and that includes both our Game Vault, which has hundreds of the greatest you know, arcade, console, and PC games of both yesterday and today, but recently a lot of my time has been spent on our first two GameTap original titles. We had uh, Sam and Max Season 1, which the first episode premiered in October, and actually on December 20th, the second episode uh, premieres exclusively within GameTap, and then I also spend a lot of time working on a little title you might have heard of called Mist Online Uber Live. Yeah, I, I think I've heard of it, actually. <laughs> it's interesting that Sam and Max is already going to the second season, or a second episode. Yeah, it's what we're considering the industry's first truly episodic game, in that there's a game episode every month for six months, and there are specific release dates, so uh, we know when they're coming out, and people can see it based on the website and premiere and everything. In the first episode... Uh, came out in October and got really good reviews. Yahoo Games called it one of the uh, best PC games of the year. New York Times listed it in uh, one of their favorite games. And Episode 2 comes out in just a few days. And uh, I can tell you they only get better from Episode 1. So everyone who's joining Game Tech for Mist, I highly recommend you uh, check out Sam and Max as well. That's great. Some of the staffers here at the Cavern today met you at Mysterium, along with Ron Miners and Eric Larger. Uh, they were very impressed by your commitment to Cyan and Mist Online, and by the easy rapport enjoyed by GameTap and Cyan. At first glance, it seems like a very natural pairing, the proverbial match made in heaven. Can you tell us about your history with Cyan and why the concept of hosting Mist Online Uru Live has attracted you? Sure. Uh, a lot of us here at GameTap have been fans of uh, Cyan for quite a while, even before GameTap existed. You know, I was one of the many millions of people who played through the original Mist uh, way back when. And in terms of GameTap uh, picking up Uruli, basically we knew that we had, you know, a game vault of a lot of great games from, uh, you know, past uh, consoles and arcades and things, and we wanted to supplement them with new and original titles that you could only get on GameTap. So we started uh, talking to developers and looking for a high-quality product that we could deliver in new ways because GameTap is all about digital games distribution as opposed to the typical retail market. And when we talked to Cyan, they explained to us their original vision for the live portion of Uru and how much they really wanted to bring it back. And we were very interested. It fit well with our subscription model and our digital distribution. And when you add it on top, the fact that, you know, obviously they always put out great product, that Mist is a huge brand that's got a built-in fan base around the world, it was a perfect fit to be one of our uh, launch titles for the GameTap original brand. I see. Uh, can you tell our listeners a little about the history of GameTap, its goals, and how Cyan fits into the picture? Sure. The goal of GameTap is to become the games leader in digital distribution. Like other Turner properties, again, everything from TBS to Cartoon Network, we aggregate content from a lot of different sources and supplement that with our new um, internal original games. And we work with developers like Cyan for Mist Online and Telltale for Sam and Max to provide stuff that you can only get through GameTap and that is A-level quality for people. That's good. I guess we can assume that you folks are gamers yourselves. Uh, what are some of your favorite games? I play a lot of different stuff, but uh, my taste now actually uh, tends toward a lot of the stuff that I played when I was much younger, when there were simpler controls and simpler game mechanics. So I always love uh, classic arcade games like uh, Root Beer Tapper and Gauntlet and some of the Atari 2600 games like uh, Demon Attack, which was the first game I ever beat. And uh, you know, one of my all-time favorites is Tecmo Bowl, which I... Uh, spent much more time playing in college than I should probably admit publicly. So no joust in there? Oh, joust uh, every now and then, but uh, I think uh, just the flying ostriches was a little too much for me. <laughs> I don't know why that game had me so hooked, but it did. 
it's just <laughs> another great game if you can get past the fact that you're playing on ostriches and when you hit them they lay eggs i think it's a great game <laughs> well it's it's been huge fun to work through the game tab libraries and play some of our old favorites or even some that are not sold i've been re-enjoying uh, splinter cell uh, judging by the format and method of the entire GameTab service, this might be a new frontier for delivering software. What are some of the criteria that you that go into your choice of games offered through GameTap, and are you open to suggestions from fans? Oh, we're always open to hearing suggestions from fans, because a lot of us here are just uh, fans ourselves, and usually if there's something on your list, it's on our list, uh, and we're just waiting to get around to it. But we're always open to uh, seeing if there are some hidden gems that we might uh, not have on our uh, to-do list yet. But with such a huge variety of games in GameTap, I mean, there's literally over 750 games now, everything from Pong to uh, Atari 2600 and the Genesis to PC games that just came out, uh, you know, a couple of months ago, or to Sam and Max and Myst Online, which are, you know, literally new and not available anywhere else. It's hard to really detail any specific criteria that we're looking for other than the simple fact that we want great games. We've got tons of them in the service, and we add new games each week, so there's always something new for everyone and we've got games everything from for everyone from a mother who's looking for educational games to her preschooler to a casual gamer who likes the classic arcade games to the hardcore gamer who likes you know tom clancy's splinter cell Mm -hmm. and we've got games in every genre from adventure to fighting to racing to basically whatever you're looking for many of us hope and some of us expect that mist online uru live will be a great success is there or would there be any potential or plans for other titles coming from the GameTap slash Cyan Alliance? Well, right now, everyone at both GameTap and Cyan are certainly focused on making Mist Online the best game it can be and make sure that it launches as successful as possible as well as the uh, follow-up period. Um, so right now, it's too early to talk about any of that, but uh, if you talk to me this time next year at the game's one-year anniversary, I might have a very different answer for you. Oh. So can we schedule that date on the calendar? There you go. <laughs> one thing we've noticed already is that GameTap is certainly not keeping Mist Online a secret. One of the criticisms leveled at the original uh, Uru Live was that publicity was minimal at best. It's been great to see the Mist Online Uru Live ads on GameTap as well as other gaming publications. Can you tell us something about your advertising for Mist Online and if the demise of the original Uru had any hand in shaping any choices you've made there? Well, we're definitely going to do everything we can to uh, promote the game, both in time inside the GameTap service and especially outside the GameTap service. But the best advertising is always word of mouth. So really, anything that the community members can do to spread the word is going to be much more effective than any uh, traditional paid advertising that we can do. Uh, if everyone in the community brought in a friend or two to Mist Online, I'd be very happy and we'd have some very nice numbers. In terms of our actual ad plans, as you mentioned, we've already promoted the game and uh, gaming magazines. It's been in comic books. Actually, this week, it's on the front page of uh, Yahoo Games, and we've got lots more stuff planned in the next coming weeks as we get uh, closer and closer to launch. But uh, I can't stress enough that word-of-mouth advertising is the most effective thing we can do. So we're going to do our part. Obviously, Cyan's going to do their part. And uh, if the community can uh, help push this over the limit, uh, we would be greatly appreciative. All righty. Along those same lines, how does the marketing change considering that Mist Online is a completely online game as opposed to a boxed-on-the-shelf game like some of the other GameTap titles? A lot of the overall strategies for marketing are the same. The big thing is we need to make sure that people understand where to get the game and how to get it is. If they go to their nearest Target or GameStop, they're not going to find it there. So it's a little bit of an additional message to uh, let people know that the game is only available at GameTap, but on the other hand, it also makes it that much easier for someone to get it if they a reading review online and it's 9 o'clock on Sunday night where you know Walmart is closed and they can't go out to buy the game but uh, by a quick download from GameTap suddenly they can be in-world and playing it immediately. How are you planning to market the game to non-missed players? We're going to do what we can to uh, reach people who we think would be interested in the game and enjoy the game even if they haven't played a missed game before and this is another area where word of mouth definitely helps. You know, If you know anyone who maybe plays adventure games or just likes solving puzzles. You know, this could even be the crossword puzzle fan who lives next door. Just try and get them to uh, sit at the terminal with you and play the game for 20 minutes or so, and we're so confident in the game that we think it'll sell themselves, and uh, the game will sell itself, and we'll get a new customer out of it. The big thing is just letting people uh, see it and try it as much as possible, and as we've announced previously, 
when we get to the actual launch phase, there will be a free experience in the game so that uh, you can invite friends to try it without having to have any commitment. So there's not the normal $50 to you know buy the software and pay your first month up front or anything like normal games. You can actually go in, experience a little bit of the world, and then uh, from there upgrade your account to become a full explorer and uh, continue on. I've actually uh, gotten some people interested in Uru Live, and so I had to give them the GameTap website and everything. And it's interesting. Like they asked me, you know, what are you listening to? And I said, well, I'm reviewing one of my previous podcasts. I'm like, what, what's a podcast? And I go on the long story of what it is and what I'm doing. And and I'll, next thing I know, I've got three women like oh, I've got a, a kid who likes online games, and they're writing down all this information to take home and have their kid explore. It's, it's interesting that just the, the the mere mention of a non-violent game suddenly just gets people. Oh, what's the name again? <laughs> yeah, I mean the. Uh... The non-violent is certainly part of it, and then the other thing is that uh, the whole game is um, cooperative as opposed to competitive. Is another thing that's you know new in the games industry, really as a whole for the most part, and then especially in the uh, you know massively multiplayer online segment. Oh, cooperative without the violence. There's there's cooperative with the violence. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, this has a strong international following, which is uh, exemplified at the Cavern today, where we have staff members from Europe, England, and even South Africa. What are you doing to try to expand GameTap and Miss Online Uru Live to the fans overseas? Well, GameTap will be expanding internationally to uh, a number of countries beginning in the spring 2007, and Miss Online will definitely be part of that service wherever uh, GameTap enters into international markets. But we know that Miss Online and the Uru franchise as a whole has a lot of international fan base that's already built in. So to make sure that as many of our international fans as possible can enter the cavern before then, we're offering a special standalone version of Mist Online outside of GameTap. And there are a lot of issues involved with doing that, but we're trying to offer it to as many different countries as possible. We just released the uh, list of countries that will be available in Phase 1, and you can find that by going to GameTap.com slash Online, which is the official game site, and that will be a great place to go not only to uh, watch trailers, see screenshots, and get information about the game, but to keep getting more and more updates about the game itself as we get closer to launch and for international friends that will be the place where we will update as we uh, create launch dates for more and more international countries because again we want to open the cavern to as many people as possible but there are just a variety of legal taxation and operational issues so it's just uh, impossible to have everybody be able to be in at day one. Is there any estimation or timetable for that? Unfortunately, not at this point. We've got too many variables to uh, announce anything uh, past that, but as soon as we do get more updates that we're comfortable with, we'll post them on the website, and I'm sure they'll be distributed through the community as fast as possible. I was originally very concerned about the uh, the ability to run a full 3D game like Uru through GameTab. Because at that point, at the point that I first tried GameTab, I, I don't think some of the, the more 3D games that I had, had since added to my favorites were available and so I thought well GameTap itself is 3D and then I found out the trick was don't be downloading another game while you try to game that's too much for the your computer to handle at least my computer to handle but uh, I was like well they've got to have it separate because it, it just lags so badly or because I've, I've run GameTap and until Uru at the same time but since then I've tested it and it seems like it works just fine so oh, good. And, my, uh, my reservation and- is cleared <laughs> Well, that's what we like to hear. And if we've done our job right, that if you run that same comparison when we get to actual launch, it will run much better within GameTap than uh, you know compared to the separate Until Uru because we've got uh, so many other technical improvements uh, planned. Yeah, I can't wait to see. Mist Online is not your typical shooter puzzle game or merely a progression of levels you play through until you reach the end. It's a continuing story in a persistent online world. It's something of a departure from the typical game hosted on GameTap. Can you discuss how Mist Online differs from GameTap's current lineup and how GameTap is approaching this new gaming paradigm? Well, Mist Online, not only being different from other games in GameTap, it's really different from just about every game that's out there because it's got so many unique elements of uh, the you know, non-violence in a video game, which is new, the fact that the game is uh, entirely cooperative versus instead of competitive, and then the big thing is the fact that you've got the live story that really evolves on an hourly and daily basis and is dependent upon the actions and choices of all of the individual players, both individually and as a community as a whole. So it's something 
very new for the industry as a whole. So we're treating it as its own game, you know, being original from both the game tap standpoint and as the uh, industry as a whole. And uh, to be perfectly honest, it's a learning experience for everyone involved because there's never been a game like this. And uh, we think that allows us to, with a lot of uh, new opportunities and amazing things that haven't been done in the games industry before. Uh, sounds like you have your work cut out for you then. <laughs> well, let's pretend that it's next August, and I'm a new explorer who's just joined Mist Online. Story-wise, it will be something like walking into a movie that's already started. How will late-coming players be able to catch up on the story so far, and can you describe what a new player may find once Mist Online Uru Live is well and truly underway? Well, when a new player walks in, I mean, it definitely will be a living and breathing world that's constantly expanding and evolving. But rather than a movie where there's just one set storyline that you're going through that you'd be jumping in at a halfway point, it's more like a soap opera or a comic book where there are lots of continuing storylines that begin and end, and admittedly on day one, you know, you're not going to understand everything, but the game and the storyline is designed so that people can pick up uh, threads, you know, midstream and participate and actively enjoy as they go forward. And a lot of the catch-up, well, we will offer things on our website and try and come up with creative ways to bring people up to speed as much as possible before they um, enter the cavern. A lot of it will be with the community. When you hear a name that, you know, you're not familiar with, just ask somebody and they will fill you in. It'll be the same way with, uh, you know, somebody who goes into a soap opera for the first time. You might not know who the characters are, um, you know, in the first episode, but by the third episode, just uh, by the magic of... Uh, context and things, you pick up and uh, jump right through it, and that's the way that we're envisioning Mist Online working, but because it is the first game to really have a true, organic, and uh, living storyline, again, it's a learning experience for us, and we will try different things as we go to see what works, what doesn't work, especially as the new players are involved, and uh, we'll see. I, too, will be curious as to uh, exactly what you'll see come August. Well, it's, it, I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing that you referred to Mist Online as a soap opera. <laughs> Yeah. Some people might like it, others might not. This is true. <laughs> There's been some whispers in the wind about some uh, information regarding changes to beta coming in on the 20th. Uh, can you tell us what's in store? Yes. On uh, December 20th, the final phase of the beta begins, and the big change, uh, besides some technological improvements, will be the launch of our live preview story. And the story will start by... Uh, reintroducing some of the old familiar characters from the DRC and perhaps introduce a new character or two, and the storyline will actually start. This will be a preview storyline, so again, people coming in on launch date uh, won't necessarily be lost, but it'll add some backstory and let us test some of the uh, full effects of having a live story that's uh, based on the actions and choices of all the different players. And I could give a lot more, but I don't want to spoil the fun as we're... Uh, less than a week away, so all I can say is uh, dive in on the 20th and enjoy this holiday. Well, as we're less than a week away, I have my work cut out for me to get this podcast thrown together <laughs> by the 20th. <laughs> yeah, so I apologize for that. Well, it's, it was the uh, it was kind of the double-edged sword, you know, get the interview, get the podcast out. So, <laughs> uh, so that, that leaves us. Uh, I have no more questions at this point for now. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners before we go? No, I'd just like to thank you for uh, allowing me this opportunity to speak to the community and, again, uh, remind everybody that uh, the 20th is the final phase of the beta, and after the new year we'll give information about the launch date as soon as uh, we have something locked in. But this is a great time to uh, start recruiting friends to uh, give the game a shot, and we can't wait to see you all in the cavern. Well, uh, I didn't write the ending, I guess. The ending hasn't been written. <laughs> there you go. I like that one. Well edited. <laughs> so this brings us to the ending of this interview. Thanks for joining us today, Trent. Uh, we hope to catch you in a year from now in that next interview you just promised us. Wink, wink. <laughs> for the Cavern Today, this is Janathus signing off. Oh, sing a song of Bethlehem, of shepherds watching there, and of the news that came to them from angels in the air, the light that shone on Bethlehem.
This is Moag again, bringing you the fourth installment in our series, The Journals of Toraneko, based on the in-character journals kept by explorer and TCT teammate Toraneko during her adventures in Uru. As before, spoilers have been edited out. Each installment will cover a specific age. Last time we shared Tora's adventures in Garrison. In this chapter, we'll join Tora in the Garden Ages of Eder Gira and Eder Kimo. I'll be playing the part of the explorer who finds Tora's journals, and Galen will portray Tora. So sit back and enjoy. For Uru veterans, think back to your own first time in the ages. And for new explorers, think of these journals as your preview to the wonderful adventures to come. Yes, Garrison. I well remember my own experiences there. It was so, so intimidating, so militaristic, really. I found the atmosphere of the fortress so overwhelming, and the sheer magnitude of the place oppressive. Well, I see that Tora visited Edergira and Ederkimo next. Great, I wonder what she has to say about them. They were two of my favorite ages. Edergira. Gira is a desert. There are steam vents that lift me inches into the air when I stand on them. I wonder what those wood planks near them are for. There are trees beyond the cliff wall. A lush forest it looks like. I realize now I must be in the crater of a volcano. There's a lava flow in one area. I hope this place remains dormant. Maybe I can get out somehow. I have made it to another part of Gira, but I think I'm still in the volcano. It's still closed off from the forest I glimpsed beyond the cliff walls. Waterfall? A stream? Plenty of water. Maybe I'll cool my feet down. Wow, those ray-like fish look like they have some sort of internal electricity. I swear, they look like they're glowing. Hey, there's a linking book here. 
perhaps to that other place, Hedrakamo, I think it was called. But I'll finish exploring around here before I go there. Ooh, a linking stone. I'll have to try that later. In the space behind the waterfall, there are two strange lantern-like devices. They must be steam-powered, probably from the volcano itself. They make the air even more hot and humid back here. Whew. I looked in the tunnel at the far end of this area. It may lead to more caves, maybe another journey cloth if I'm lucky, but, but it's too dark. I can't go any further. I walked back into the light and then I kicked that wooden fish basket in frustration for a while. Right into the water. Doesn't seem to disturb those lightning rays. Evening. I'm watching a spectacular sunset. This age is day and night cycles go a little faster than Earth, but not as fast as Teladon. Strange how I never saw night on Gerizan. Though I spent so much time there, it must have a really long cycle. There are two moons here. The silver light gives the waterfall a pale glow. Water droplets sparkle like liquid silver, or like fire when I leave the lanterns on behind the falls. The night is beautiful here. Edukemo. After the night on Gira, the sunlight here is a shock, even if it is overcast. Kemo's a garden age, and if it didn't have a separate linking book, I would suspect that I had linked to the forest beyond the Gira volcano. Hmm. There's a journey cloth on a monolithic boulder. It glows, thumb, edge, and palm. Three... Letters must be connected in more than just half their names. It keeps raining here. Darn it. I didn't even have a chance to get dry. At least there's a tunnel and a couple pagodas where I can take shelter. The rain here seems to be on a regular cycle. Ooh, there are giant spider or larva-like bugs on the top of the walls. Oh, I hope they stay there. They're kind of creepy. I found a DRC notebook talking about King Shoma. He certainly wasn't a nice person. Ooh, talk about the corruption of power. There are giant pod plants that spew spores into the air. They drift and glow and then fade away, those spores. Hey, I see a Rauto page on a ledge. Now, how to get up there? hate this rock. I've been trying to get that page, but this rock is not cooperating. I need to jump on it and then jump to the ledge to reach the page, but I keep sliding off. It must be the constant rains that make it so slippery. Well, maybe I'll take a break, go for a walk to cool down. I think there was a fountain on the other side of the garden. When I walked around, I noticed a swarm of fireflies around those singing trees. And what's with those brain-like trees? There sure is some odd flora around here. Go away, you stupid fireflies. I walked through the swarm once and immediately gained a group of followers. Maybe they like my body heat. Aha! Success! It took me the better part of an hour, but my persistence finally paid off. I have the Relto page now. And no more fireflies. I think I scared them off with all the jumping. Or was it that rainstorm again? Hmm. Hey, come to think of it, those fireflies might be helpful in Gira behind the waterfall. I wonder if they would link with me. Edergira. After a lot of trial and error, I finally figured out how to keep those fireflies with me long enough to light up all the caves. And I found a use for those fish baskets. I had to take a lot of trips to and from Camo to finish, but I have touched the last journey clock at last. 
The journey door was back in Camo. It was surprisingly visible and accessible, well, compared to the ones in Teladon and Garrison. Once I've finished this leg of the journey, I'll have to come back for that linking stone, too. Barrow Cave. I made my third trip to the Barrow Cave and gazed around the dark blue lit cave. Yisha speaks to me again. The fisher, for I believe that this cave opens into the star fisher, glitters eerily below the opening. Hmm. I take the pillar and jump into the stars. Relto. Hey, there are decorations around the outside of my hut. Cool. But the page didn't look like that. Hmm. Oh, inside the hut, I see the other addition. A rug like the ones in Camo's pagodas. That reminds me. I need to head back to Gira for that linking stone. It looked like another balcony link. Dakota Rooftop. Wow! There is so much DRC equipment here. And tons of journals and notebooks. At first I wasn't sure about that linking stone, but now I see I was right about it being a balcony link. Or at least sort of. I am certainly in the cavern, as I can see the city through those telescopes, but I think this might be a rooftop instead of a balcony. Whenever I get to the city, I hope I can figure out the name of this area that I'm in. For now, though, I think I'll camp out here and read the notebooks. I can head for the final age, Kadish Tolesa, tomorrow. And so concludes another installment of The Journals of Torin Echo. Join us next time as the journey continues. We'd like to thank Cyan Worlds for the music and sound effects heard in these episodes. Thank you also to Torin Echo for writing the journals, to Galen for providing Torah's voice, and to Moag for narrating an assembly. Until next time, Shora. number 29. Some interesting events have occurred, and I am now entering my last journal entry for the night. As I said, I have met up with two other age journeyers, Len and Ken, and we have all come to this mysterious age that seems to have many instances. Five minutes ago, I finished studying some more of the symbols that lay here in this room of reflection. You know, off-topic, I must say, I wonder about my friend Jeff. The last time I saw him, I was sending him off to an unknown age along with two others. I hope his journey is more peaceful than mine. Oh, Tyon has a knack for sending people to places that are, well, ancient. (laughs) I must say that the beginning of this journey has turned out to be very interesting, to say the least. But I guess I should start from the beginning. Otherwise, you'll have no idea what I'm talking about. (laughs) It all began about two months ago. It had been a few weeks since Sarah had left, and Ty and I hadn't seen each other during those weeks, which made me think he was up to something. Well, of course, I was correct, but I decided I would go about my normal routine during those weeks because, well, who knew how long I'd be gone on my next journey. So Ty and I finally linked into Dunny one day, and our conversation went something like this. Shira, and good morning, Jeff. Oh, hey, Ty. So where are we going to this time, hmm? <laughs> Is it that obvious? Well, yeah. Well then, I'll get straight to the point. I want you to head to the ferry terminal. 
Why? What's... Hey, wait a minute! Well, I decided not to be bothered by Ty's little link away there, and I headed down to the docks. And there waiting for me were two others who would be coming with me on this new journey. The first guy was named Glenn, and he has a rather, uh, well, an, an interesting personality, as you'll see. The second was John. And he has yet another kind of personality, but like before, I'll let you folks figure out what kind of guy he is. We introduced ourselves, and as soon as we had finished, Ty linked in. Oh, good. You three have met. That makes my job a whole lot easier. Oh, look. It's you. Well, Glenn. So, Ty, what is this journey you say I've been chosen for? Right. Well, I can't say. Why am I not surprised? What can you tell us, Ty? Only that this is your first stop. Ooh, a new Lincoln book. Farewell. Wait a minute. But it was too late. Just like that, he was gone. Is he always like that? Yeah, but you get used to it. So what is this first stop called? Hmm? Oh, it uh, doesn't seem to have a name. Does it have a number? No, no, it's just a blank. Why would your friend give us a linking book with no age, name, or anything? I don't know, but I guess we should link anyway and find out where it leads. Can I say something? Jeff, was it? Yeah, yeah, that's my name. Now look, as much as I love a good adventure, your friend Tan seems a little... how do you say it? Oh, uh, like crazy to Yisha-like? Yeah, that's it. And you'll get used to it. John, you want to link first? Sure, Jeff. Fine. Don't listen to me. Come on, Glenn. It won't be that bad. Uh, give me that book. Here I go again. I never get tired of that. <laughs> <coughs> This place is... <coughs> Musty beyond all belief? That's a good way of putting it. <coughs> oh, man. Oh, look at this place. It looks so ancient. I wonder if this age is even done you written. Of course it's not. Look at the markings on the walls. Hmm. This place appears to have been a linking chamber of some kind. How can you tell? Well... Five pedestals in a circular room with one pedestal in the center. But look, the center pedestal seems to be more than a pedestal. Really, it's some kind of device, too. Great. A puzzle. Well, actually, it's kind of nice to have one. Haven't been in an age with a puzzle since... Well, it's it's been a while. <laughs> well, then you can figure it out. Thank you, Glenn. Well, as you can see, John and I were getting along fine, but Glenn... Well, Glenn is a kind of guy who, well, doesn't work well with others. Let's put it that way. Well, from what I can tell, it's not only a linking pedestal, but an elevator of some kind, controlled by these controls on the right. But the controls on the left are a little bit harder to figure out. Huh. Well, let's leave this one alone for now. I want to see if we can find anything under all this dust. Good idea. Good luck. You'll cough to death if you start moving things around. Could you just act like you're helping, please? No, I don't think so. You'll, uh, have to excuse Glenn. He isn't the most cooperative guy on the block. Yeah, I can tell. Have you known him for long? Well, we've kind of hung out for a while. He helped me in Garrison once. I see. Well... Maybe this journey will straighten him out a little bit. Maybe. <laughs> Come on, let's get this stuff piled over there. Right with you. So after digging through a whole lot of rubble and a whole lot of really ancient dust, we finally found a linking book of some kind. It was weird, though. It looked brand new. There wasn't a scratch or a speck of dust on it. Oh, this defies all logic. How could this thing look as, as new as a freshly written linking book? I don't know. Maybe it's made with some kind of element never used by the Dunny. Well, at least it has a name. Yeah, here, let's see. 
Ajiyan, Island of the Hidden. Now there is a title for you. Isn't that original enough? Huh, well, well, let's rest here for the night. Tomorrow we'll make that link to Najian. Sounds good. Great. Mm. Well, now, those are still asleep. Let's have a look at this book. What's this? Clouds cover the entire island. Well, that's the mystery. <clears throat> Don't do that. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to startle you. You know what, Glenn? I've just about had it with your attitude. Well, live with it. Glenn, come on, man. Why are you acting this way? Oh, oh hey, what's going on? What? Ow! Hey, calm down, guys. Lachen lachen Weihnachten, zij lachen Weihnachten in het veld. Zij hielden vol trouwere wachten, zij hadden hun schaapjes geteld. Daar hoorden zij engelen zingen, hun liederen vloeiend en klaar. De herders naar Bethlehem gingen, het liep tegen het nieuwe jaar. Toen zij uit de Bethlehem kwamen, daar schoten die stralen doorheen. Een straal van omhoog zij vernamen, een straal uit het kripje beneden. Toen vlamde een straal uit den hoogen en viel op het kinderketeer. Zij stonden tot schreiens bewogen en knielden bij Jezus neer. Hello again, this is Moog for the Cavern Today. Having yet again completed all of the age journeys in the Uru Live preview and worked my way through to the closing credits, I found myself thinking about the fact that I've now played through those same sequences more times than I can remember. Between Uru, Ages Beyond Mist, to Dunny, Path of the Shell, Until Uru, etc., I can make the Garis and Barrow cave jumps on the first attempt. I can jump to the Gira Lava Pit pinnacle in one try, and so on. I'm among a sizable crowd who has gotten the entire Uru adventure down to a comfortable routine, and I'm intimately familiar with most of the tasks involved. But, and get this, in the original scheme of things, none of those tasks was meant to be performed more than once. Well, twice in some cases such as when we go back to the ages to return the Barrow totems. But when you think about it, most of those steps that we've performed ad infinitum were intended to be incremental steps in an overall story. And once performed, their purpose would be fulfilled, and you'd never see them again unless you reset an age for some reason or just went sightseeing. So for how long now? Three years? We've debated the finer points of placing those fish baskets or jumping to pinnacles, etc., when in the original concept of Uru Live, we'd have performed each of those tasks only once and then moved on. I'm saying all of this just to point out that the real Uru Live is going to be a very unusual experience for those of us who have repeatedly worked our way through all of the ages until we can complete them in our sleep. The intent was never to master the intricacies of the ages. It was to solve each puzzle once, learn what we were supposed to learn, and then move on. Rand's hinted at this, but it sure bears repeating. It says so much for the Uru community that we've hammered away at this initial stage of Uru ad nauseum, and in spite of over two years of stalled progress and technical glitches, I've not only kept that initial stage alive, but have endowed it with a vibrant life all its own. We have every reason to be thoroughly sick of herding those fireflies for the umpteenth time, especially when they don't always follow us, but we simply continue to do it, and even joke good-naturedly about it, and that is amazing. In the meantime, the richness of the Uru environments mean that they're still rewarding to visit, even after countless previous trips. I can't tell you how many times I've been to Eder Kimo. I have no idea myself, but I still enjoy the sights there. It's like having a lovely park just outside my front door. I enjoy strolling through the scenery and ducking into a gazebo when the rain starts. And even though I solved that age, quote-unquote, a long time ago, and repeatedly thereafter, it's still a genuine treat to visit. 
It's funny to reminisce about when Uru was still new, and the forums were filled with complaints about all the new jumping puzzles and the awkward avi to object interfaces and so on. Well, now we've come to love all of those qualities, if grudgingly in some cases. In a very real way, they've become part of us. And granted, there's been little else to do in Uru, which leads one to fantasize about what's yet to come. New ages will mean new puzzles, new challenges, and the old ones, the fireflies, the fish baskets, the steam vents, etc., will fade in memory as we settle into the new environments and get lost in new worlds. I really hope that Cyan's long-term plans for Uru include retaining all the ages we visited to date. It's a big bookshelf in our relto, and it's kind of nice to think that when we've almost gotten that bottom shelf filled, that we'll still be able to link to Kadish and watch the leaves fall again. It still amazes me that this far along, when all of the ages have long since been solved, and when the element of surprise has long departed, and all the mysteries have been cleared up, that we still insist on linking to the cavern and ages just to spend time with fellow explorers or to enjoy the solitude of our reltos and hoods. We feel something's missing if we haven't been to the cavern for a while. I've never experienced this with any other form of entertainment, and I'm still trying to comprehend it all. Let me reminisce a bit. Let's go back to 1978. The original Star Trek TV series had been cancelled years before, but it had come back in syndication and had built up an enormous fan base, in spite of the fact that there had been no new content for years. Even though the show was long dead, Trekkie conventions were a cultural phenomenon, stars from the show were very much in demand for public appearances, and merchandise was still widely available. Well, that was the situation when Leonard Nimoy stopped in at our university during a lecture tour. I was there, and the mood in the auditorium was simply electric. We were seeing Mr. Spock, for goodness sake, and when Nimoy crossed the stage and flashed the Vulcan salute, hundreds of us returned it, and the place came apart. His first words to us were heavily loaded with irony and humor. He opened with, Do you realize that it's been nine years since the Star Trek series was canceled? Thunderous applause and laughter ensued. We were all fully aware that the Star Trek phenomenon was more alive then than ever before, and the fact that the show was long out of production was completely irrelevant. In a way, it's the same situation with Uru. Just like Star Trek, Uru Live was cancelled by the bean counters just as it was hitting its stride, and just like Star Trek, the fans refused to let it die. And just like Star Trek, the best was yet to come. I only remember two things that Mr. Nimoy said that night. The first was the comment above, and the other was when he broke the news that filming was well underway for the first Star Trek movie. And needless to say, that announcement brought down the house. I felt the same emotions when I heard that GameTap was pumping new life into the Uru Live project, and that it was going to be back, bigger and better than before. The original Star Trek, with its limited budget, cheesy scenery and stilted acting changed the face of popular entertainment. And the original Uru, even though it stalled in a perpetual beta state, still managed to make enough of an impact that it may well end up changing the face of online gaming. I really hope this is the case, and I'm thrilled to have been here for it. Before we send you out to enjoy your holiday season, we'd like to add just a few thank yous. We're grateful for musical contributions from Arch Life's Martin Holm Morganson Choir for their two contributions used in this podcast, to Delanor for continually allowing us to feature his great music through our humble program, and to Hannah Gertie for her piece used in this podcast. Thanks also goes out to Supergram, without whom we probably wouldn't have been able to have our nice chat with Trent Hershenson of GameTap. Hello, this is Alhan, wishing you and those you love a very blessed Christmas and a prosperous new year. Hey, this is Anthony, wishing everyone in the cavern and their families a Merry Christmas. Hello, this is Bert underscore two, wishing everybody a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Hi, this is Dean, wishing you and your family a very Merry Christmas. Hello, this is Janathus, wishing everyone a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. Hi, this is Miles from South Africa, wishing you and your family a very Merry Christmas and a happy and prosperous 2007. This is Supergram, wishing everyone a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, from my family to yours. Sure, everyone. This is Tyon, wishing everyone a Merry Christmas. 
And this is Mowag, wishing you and yours the very best of the holiday season, as well as a prosperous, missed online Uru Live filled 2007. For the Cavern Today, this is Mowag signing off. <laughs>